Hi everybody, uh, I am uh, Trey, one of your average film enjoyers, and I am here to tell you that you can win over $500 worth of movie stuff. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're a huge movie fan. Obviously, you wouldn't be listening if you didn't love film like me and Jagger. Um, and so me and Jagger, along with, uh, three other content creators on TikTok, uh, Film Gunch, who we've had on here, uh, Wes, who we've had on here a couple times, and then, uh, one of our good friends, Real Takes, we are all, uh, joined together doing a giveaway currently, and it, um, how you join this giveaway is you go, uh, to each of our pages, we all have the giveaway video pinned, and you'll go on to that video. You'll give us all a follow. We uh, Each account is tagged in every video. Um, and then com comment down below. Uh, five Tag five of your friends. And if you tag five different friends in all five different videos, then you can get up to 30 entries. 30 entries. You can get up to 30 entries. So, uh, but you're like, Trey... Well, you're telling me about this, but I don't even know what I can win. Well, I'll tell you what you can win. Uh, Real Takes is donating a uh, 4K Harry Potter collection, Blu-ray James Bond collection, uh, I believe a 4K uh, collection of the Planet of the Apes films, and uh, the first three John Wick movies in 4K. Um, I'm donating three criterions of your choice, so whoever wins get to choose uh, three criterions. And we'll mail those to you. Uh, Jagger, my co-host, is donating um, three or a bunch of international DVDs. Um, Gunch is donating um, uh, uh, Don Hertzfeld and uh, oh, I can't remember the other guy's name. Well, the animated show. It's a very limited edition animated sketch comedy show. He has a bunch of steel books of all three seasons, so he's donating those. And then the biggest one. Wes is donating a region-free Blu-ray player. So if any of those items interest you, again, go to any of our TikTok pages. Go to me and Jagger's TikTok page, Trey the Film Noob, Jagger Film Reviews. We have the video videos pinned on top of our pages. So go check them out. Follow the instructions. Uh, the giveaway ends when we are all five of us at a thousand followers. And me and Jagger are the only ones that haven't hit a thousand followers yet. So please help us get a, uh, get us there so we can give away all this movie merchandise. Now, let's get to the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Average Film Enjoyer podcast, where we are back with our Friday Night Double Feature series. Um, today, we are going to be having our guest, Jay, back on today. How are you doing today? Hello, Jagger and Trey. I'm good. <laughs> How are you? How are you? We are so good. Uh, I'm good, at least. Yeah, we're great. Um, today, we are talking about something that I'm very excited about, and it's something that we've been talking, I've talked about at least a lot on the podcast, mm -hmm. and we went over it briefly in the movie talk with you, Jay. Um, we are going to be talking about the two David Byrne-inclusive films, Stop Making Sense and True Stories. Um, 
two incredible, incredible films. Um, so let's start with your guys' opening thoughts on true stories. Um, you start with me? I could yeah, Jay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, true stories, my favorite movie of all time. Uh, famously, I say famously, it's famous with about five people. My, uh, my Blu-ray of choice for sad and depressing days. My flatmates used to find it lying around the living room and come to see me like, Oh, Jay, are you alright? You must have had a traumatic experience for this to be here. And it's just, you know, it's the most wholesome movie ever made. Mm -hmm. Even though some people might look at it on a surface level and not see it that way because, you know, David Byrne kind of detaches himself from all these characters that, um, that were introduced to. And some people have viewed it as if it's sort of a sat satire or something, but I don't think that's the case. It's purely just like a little walk on the wild side, little, hey, these, here are these people, aren't they great? This is what they're doing. And that's pretty much all there is to it. There's not a lot of room for, you know, vitriol or any sort of like yeah. downward looking on, on them at all. It's a celebration of life and the eccentricities that people have when you look a little bit closer. Trey, okay. you? Yeah. Um, I'll say the same thing that I'm going to say for... Stop making sense. If you don't like The Talking Heads or David Byrne, don't watch either of these movies. These are very much like the same... Both of these are the same level of weirdness that The Talking Heads are, you know? Um, like, you, Talking Heads are talked about as, like, a classic rock band. They're, I, it, they're so much more than that. There's so many layers to them. They're more of like, I feel like when I was watching, I know this is kind of already like I'm going into it. I need to save it. I need to save it. This film, I had such a blast with. Um, I am a huge fan of musicals. Um, I like grew up always being told by my friends, no, musicals are for girls, da, 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 which is bullshit. You can enjoy musicals. La La Land is my all time favorite Great. movie. Uh, West Side Story is great. The Steven Spielberg West Side Story is great. Sound of Music, great. Um, and I really enjoyed this. Obviously, music, spectacular. Uh, I think my favorite musical scene was either the end with a John Goodman song. Um, I thought that was really, really good. Or the beginning. I can't ever remember the song names, but the beginning where they're in the dance club. Um, and they're all coming up to lip sync the song. I loved that song. Um, and it's just like a fun, lighthearted movie. It's an easy watch, not too much to digest. Um, and there's not too much to like, you, you're not like hanging on every word. Um, so it's like a nice movie if you're just like, I don't know, like working on a puzzle or like playing video games or something like that that you just want to have on in the background, you know? Uh, that's just nice to have on and you don't need to be hanging on every word to understand what's going on. You kind of, all the characters are pretty, pretty like, uh, like very archetypal archetype. I don't know how to say that word, but I mean, you had it. You had it. yeah, you guys know what I mean? Like they're very like, <clears throat> this is the type of character they are and they're not really going to steer away too much from that archetype. Um, so you kind of, it's pretty predictable, but like not in a bad way, you know, like it's just like a nice, easy to digest watch. Um, probably good after watching something that's like, like Schindler's List 
or uh, I know Jagger watched this recently, and I did too, uh, Shiva Baby. This would be a great follow-up for Shiva Baby. Just like something that is like a movie that has stressed you out, this is a great like come-down movie. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. I give it four stars, 80 out of 100. Um, I mean, I love David Byrne. I've always loved David Byrne. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to get into talking about it. Yeah, I would also like to say that both of you really summed this movie up it's just joy yeah and that's all this movie is it's just a movie that will make you feel happy through all of its 89 minutes and if watched uninterrupted could be described as a movie to put you in an almost euphoric state um i think that that's what this is and what this is intended to be and a movie that not only has that full intention with nothing else, but a movie that executes it with this level of perfection is incredible. Yeah. Um, a movie that is, to an extent, beautiful, really, and I have endless respect, and I think that both of you really got into that. Um, if I may say... Tito Lariva uh, playing Ramon in this movie was incredible. Um, <laughs> he was the uh, what's um, the guy who your mind is a radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he sang the Radiohead song. He does. The Radiohead song. We'll which, get into that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that in a second. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this movie is incredible. So yeah, let's dive a little bit further into it. Let's start there. The Radiohead song. Yeah, go ahead. Jay, I, yeah. Famously, um, the, the song that the band Radiohead got the name from, you, you have to address that straight away. Yeah. And you wouldn't expect it because it's such a, like, <laughs> upbeat little poppy thing that you would never associate with their music at all. <laughs> but but it is a great song, and it's, um, and it's worked into the film a little bit at an early point you know in that first scene where they're in the factory and they're all um you're introduced to all these little characters who you'll get to know a little bit later and it's sort of the embodiment of that um that ramon character about how how he uses radio waves to tune into the people around him and perce- perceive just all, all these all these neighbors and things it's it's a lovely little um little segue yeah i think yeah, and that brings me, like, the Radiohead thing, crazy, that, like, this is where Radiohead got their name, a band, I wouldn't say, like, mainstream successful, but a, they have a very, very loyal fan base. Yes, um, yes. And, uh, but the, also, the line that blew my mind, I called Jagger right after I heard it, um, they predicted Steve Jobs being the CEO. I don't know if Steve Jobs was the CEO of Apple at this point, um, in 1985. If he wasn't, that'd be even crazier. I'm assuming he was. I have to look he that was, up now. Yeah. Uh, d- they predicted Steve Jobs leaving Apple. Like, what? That's like a Simpsons level prediction. Um, which that kind of blew my mind. Um, but yeah, that the the song at the end where Ramon the, and his band play, I really enjoyed that as well. Yeah, and that whole scene is like a whole spectacle in and itself. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah. I, if we're talking about songs, which let's, that puzzling evidence scene made me oh, laugh yeah. so hard. Oh, yeah. I'm wondering, I was wondering for you, what about it made you laugh? Um, how he's just standing there rambling on about complete nonsense. And everyone's acting like he's talking he's about something. he's on to something <laughs> like do you ever run out of paper towels toilet paper and kleenex at the same time and then everyone's like yeah i do um uh, <laughs> god yeah and yeah do you know what these connections and... are elvis did <laughs> yeah it i loved that scene I, I think it's the only scene for me that I was able to pick up, like, they were trying to put, like, stuff under it. Um, yeah. And yeah. because it's I know... Fair, I think. Yeah, I, like, I don't know how it is in the UK for you, Jay, but I know people, like, I have neighbors, and I know, like, I have old friends that are like that. That are like, I'm not getting the, va- the COVID-19 vaccine because the government is putting microchips in them. Or... Uh, like, I don't know, uh, MK Ultra experiments, Bush did 9-11, all these, like, crazy, like, right-wing conservative conspiracy theories. I know people who buy into all of that. And there is so much of that in, I found that scene so applicable. I don't know how it is uh, uh, in where you are, Jagger, but I found that scene so applicable to America's society today and how much social media influence and it gives people who shouldn't have a platform people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about just giving a platform and then everybody be like oh he's right they're right oh my gosh and it's just like i was like i was laughing but i was also kind of disturbed like this is scarily accurate to how things happen in america right now it was it was wild for me Yeah, Yeah. and that can be tacked on to a lot of the Talking Heads stuff. David Byrne, as someone on the spectrum, has made it very clear that his music that he writes is his view on the world in one way or another. Mm -hmm. So any of his songs can, in one way or another, be tied to a personal event of his. And I feel like this is a moment in this movie that he's really just like openly saying this is how i'm seeing it and i'm gonna make it sort of like funny and goofy what they're talking about but but that this is exactly what people are like yeah and you get a lot of that here and when we get into stop making sense we'll probably pick up on it again once or twice but um yeah another scene the scene um where John Goodman goes to that lady's house. God, dude. Oh, the cute lady. Yeah, and he's singing her the song, and it cuts from her just kind of smiling to her, like, in tears, devastated. (laughs) Uh, Is the most relatable moment ever, as that song is, like, if you go down into the lyrics, is so scarily accurate to a lot of people, including... Like many people I know, um, yeah, it's a very poetic song, really, and I think that this movie has again a, a good amount of that as well. This movie is 
poetic and beautiful while also staying in sort of like a its own silly goofy area and the like yeah i respect that so strongly and you get that out of a lot of the talking heads and david burns work um you get that out of a little bit out of american utopia as well yes and you get a lot of that out of all of his work uh the scene where john goodman is in that um place with that guy who's like singing to him in another language and telling him to drink sparkling water <laughs> oh yeah pop staples the uh the healer yeah <laughs> his, his song was wonderful as well oh it's so catchy yeah um city of dreams another beautiful song at the end of this movie um to quickly go back to the wild wildlife scene in the club when all of the members of the talking heads are popping in and out of the offstage um yeah that's just such a fun scene mm -hmm. yeah. i mean and very well done as well um yeah are there any other scenes that you guys would like to point out in particular? i mean i think i think the idea of a lip sync bar should be commonplace everywhere Oh, hundred percent. That happens all the time. Yeah. Like forget karaoke. If you just want to know the song and want to get up and do some silly moves and just switch places with somebody else when you're done, that's fine. You go do that. Just just fly a freak flag up on the stage for a few minutes, and we should encourage this everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I totally agree. Also, to quickly go back to um, scenes that are just David Byrne being David Byrne. The scene where he's driving by all of the metal buildings and just talking about how it was an impactful thing in the history of architecture. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and any of the scenes of just David Byrne driving and talking. That's, that's what I thought you were going to say at, at the beginning where he's driving the red car <laughs> and the steering wheel is clearly loose. So he's just moving it up and down. <laughs> and I could have watched three hours of david byrne in the car talking about just what's like narrating what's going on very clearly out of the picture of the car um yeah, yeah. this movie's just so fun it's amazing mm -hmm. it's great it's yeah just such a great time going back to john goodman's scene uh with uh, where he's at the lady's house and she's like i think you just can't have enough sweetness and cuteness in the world uh i also have known people like that who refuse to yeah. watch watch anything sad, listen to anything sad, even all other emotions except happiness, and and which I think is bullshit. Um, I think you're not really experiencing art in its fullness if you're not exper experiencing the full range of human emotion through art. Um, man, I just came up with that on the spot. I that made me sound real smart. Truly poetic. Um, <laughs> um, but to quote, uh, the great Dolly Parton, everybody wants happiness and no one wants pain. You can't have a rainbow without a little rain. Um, nice. and I, I was like, uh, uh, I was just like kind of blown away with that scene. And I was just like, how, how are you happy when you're just happy? There's no such thing as happiness when you're just happy, when there's no sadness. And I just yeah. thought that was funny there's actually nothing funny about that but I no i was just giggling no i was i was just giggling because is like john good john john goodman starts singing the song and she's just staring at him like like very concerned he's in shock 
Yeah. She's, she's never like, encountered anything like this. What's happening? What is this emotion I'm feeling? I just, I was, I found that very funny. Yeah. I, yeah. There, <laughs> yeah, that makes a little more sense. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Also, on the, um, on the criterion for this movie, it says a film about a bunch of people in Virgil, Texas. Mm hmm. And that's exactly what this is. Yeah, it's a perfect it, assumption. Yeah, yeah. It it is a film with all of this beauty and poeticism, and it's just a movie about a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And that's that's honestly masterful. And I think that that's why a movie like this has a Criterion release. It's just it is the exemplary form of a movie in complete beautiful simplicity with all of its perfect imperfectness yeah Mm -hmm. and that's yeah i think that that's what this is in its simplest form is a movie already in its simplest form yeah yeah it was really good uh so i have this at a four star jagger what do you have it out of i have 80 out of 100 jagger has it at a five four 96 out okay of 100 you bumped it up from a four and a half you were at 94 and then you bumped it up i respect that um yeah. and then jay has this five five stars 100 five. out of 100 um uh yeah and so go check this out uh part of our david byrne double feature um i think this is our double feature where the films complement each other the most like the best um and so go check this out i don't know where you you guys watched it i just rented it on apple tv uh i have i have the blu-ray okay that's sweet criterion blu-ray yeah okay so you can rent it i don't know if it's streaming anywhere um but you Mm -hmm. can rent it uh on youtube or apple tv uh so go check that out um first of all before we get into our other double feature to digress a little bit Jay, was last month, I was looking at your top four from last month. Was last month your first time seeing Silence of the Lambs? Yeah, it was. Oh, what did yeah. you think? I'd, I'd seen bits of it um, in the past, and I'd, and I'd tried to watch all of it at some point, but um, mm-hmm. I'd never actually gotten through the whole, like, like, like just all of it. Yeah. And I was just amazed by it. Yeah. Like how perfect structurally that film is. Oh, it's so damn good. <laughs> It's one of the three movies, we learned this, I think, from Gunch, that has swept the Oscars. So it won Best Picture, yeah. Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, and Best Screenplay. Um, well deserved. Is, I yeah. mean, oh, it's great 100%. to see a horror film doing that sort of thing as well, because you'd never mm-hmm. see that nowadays. Yeah. The Oscars are too, you know, self-serious. Yeah. Um, so... Speaking of Silence of the Lambs, Jonathan Demme directed it. Yeah. Um, which leads us into our next. I don't even want to call this a movie. It's a it's a live concert. Um, stop it's making sense. I'd beg to differ that this is, her... <laughs> and so would David Letterman, having called this a film in an interview with <laughs> David Byrne. As if you look at the custom posters. There's one of them that has, like, a full breakdown of why it's a film. Um, If I may quickly... (laughs) If I may quickly read it to you, they give you, like, a full analysis of the story on one poster. Um, Here, let me read it to you. 
A polite man is driven to murder. He becomes a prophet and screams manifestos on love, war, and the increasingly alarming impact of technology and progress. Driven to insanity by his own insights into the human condition, he travels to a river in an attempt to drown himself, but instead is baptized and absolved of sin. He dies cross-eyed yet painless. Yes, this is a film. See, that's... That's I, an interpretation. I, I'd have to disagree, man. I mean, I... I... I love it, you know, but this is, I, I, I don't find myself being able to rate this because I don't think it's a film. Like I gave this like the same way I do with documentaries or limited series, um, or shorts. I, or actually, no, I rate shorts. Um, but I'll just like say if I like it or not, you know, there's very few document documentaries. I've given like five stars, um, I'll politely uh, disagree. I have just said 100 out of 100 for my number five of all time. Um, I don't think there's a single flaw on this. Uh, I I found this, like, quite easy to write, if anything. I mean, there's nothing that brings you this level of emotion, in mm -hmm. my opinion, at least. Yeah. Well, going off that um, that poster you just read from Jagger, have you read um, have you read David Byrne's sort of interpretation of the narrative of the film? Because he spoke no, about I it in an interview recently. So from I his perspective, not. it's about uh, an awkward or maybe neurodivergent person who starts out on his own, sort of unsure where he is in the world, and slowly one by one meets all of these people who he's able to connect with, and eventually sort of is able to express himself through groove and motion which is how you get to the end where everyone's like on this huge stage all together, like connected through music and dance, essentially. That's even better. That's... <laughs> yeah. See, so uh, for people who don't know what this film is, uh, Stop Making Sense released in 1984. It's a concert film um, uh, with the talking heads. Uh, Jonathan Demi took, they had a three night run on their speaking in tongues tour, uh, at the Hollywood bowl, which by the way, if either of you like live music, that is an outstanding place to see a concert. Uh, I've been there once and it, oh, unbelievable. Um, and it, he takes, uh, three different sections from the three nights and puts them together as one concert film. Um, and so, yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about. This is our second movie of the double feature. Um, obviously, you guys have already given your opening thoughts. I will say again, if you don't like Talking Heads, really don't watch this one because you will. You... I will. I'm going to politely <laughs> disagree with you there and say if you don't like the Talking Heads, this is the perfect introduction, as it well, has debatedly the best renditions of some of their music. Agreed. I mean, I've I've brought at least three people to see the film since it was released um, a couple of months ago now, who who have not been like, like I'm a huge fan of Talking Heads, but these people have like never listened to their music before, and they have like all come out of it like wanting to buy their albums because it's such like it's such a fun like the the music is like perfectly displayed in this. It's like never been performed better, and all of the tunes are just beyond catchy. It's, it's, it's an attack. <laughs> it's an attack on the senses. It's a nearly intoxicating experience yeah. with how completely enjoyable all of the music is. 
Yeah, and wh- what I mean when I say if you don't, I I don't mean like people who have just never listened to the Talking Heads. Yeah, go check it's this out. Who outwardly the, dislike them. Yeah. Yeah, the That's Talking Heads are great, but if you're like I've listened to the Talking Heads and I don't like it, don't watch this movie. It is not for yeah. you, and you're gonna hate it because it's just a Talking Heads concert. Um, yeah. I did really enjoy this. Um, I. Uh, I, as I said earlier, I had to contain myself from going on about their music uh, because before I got into film, music was my entire life. Um, I play, I play guitar. I, I, I listen to music twenty four seven. And yes, you can classify Talking Heads as classic rock, but that's such a general term, um, and there are so many different niches and subgenres in rock. Um, and what I found with this film that I've never found before, like, I th- I always thought they were just, like, kind of like an alternative rock band, which they are, like, don't get me wrong, but I found, especially with, through this concert film, um, the, they have a lot more psychedelic and, and political, uh, influences. Um, I thought it was really interesting, um, my all-time favorite band, Fish, um, which is like a like Jay, you know, like uh, I've told Jagger about them, but you know, like uh, Grateful Dead or something. I've listened to Fish before, yeah. Oh, you've listened to Fish. Okay, yeah, yeah they're like my all-time favorite. Um, and watching this, um, a, I saw a lot of influences uh, from the Talking Heads. Like I was like, oh, that's kind of like something Fish does. And I'm like, oh, cool, maybe they got inspiration from the Talking Heads. And kind of the more the idea that. Like, there's a lot of bands out there that sound amazing in the studio, but don't sound that great live. I mean, they sound fine, but they sound much better in the studio. Uh, Fish is one of those bands that they sound amazing in the studio, but they sound ten times better live. And I found that with yeah. Talking Heads, specifically with this concert film, is the, all these songs that I'm uh, burning down the well, I want to point out Burning Down the House because it may be basic, but that's my favorite Talking Heads song. Um, it's, I think that is an immaculate song. Uh, and like, it's a great song. Like I listen to that at least once a week, but hearing that live was, it's just a whole nother experience. It's so much better. Um, and yeah, I just had such a blast with this. Um, I'm wondering what are your guys's like favorite talking head songs and what were your favorite from this film? If I may, my favorite is, uh, Life during wartime. I think that it was great here. Mm-hmm. I think the their performance, David's performance during it was so insane and awesome. Um, but if I may point out one that I had not really known before, but hearing it live, specifically with Bernie Worrell absolutely destroying the synthesizer, making Flippy Floppy on this. Yes the rendition in this movie was so special mm-hmm. that i mean of the multiple songs that have been tacked onto my playlist on the stop making sense rendition that's one of the big ones here i think the complete reimagining of psycho killer from the beginning of the movie and oh god the, like, dude oh <laughs> simplicity was so great um, I mean, where do I start to quickly go back to, um, 
songs that are like close to the record on the film um life during wartime once in a lifetime but seeing him with those glasses on with his hands in the air entirely enjoying himself on stage was just so awesome and i think that that's a lot of the of what this film is it's them all having a great time and that bleeding through the screen onto the audience Mm, yeah. Um, and all of them look like they're just having the time of their life. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Jay, what about you? Favorite Talking Head songs? Favorite from this concert? What do you think? I mean, Once in a Lifetime is probably the most played song in my iTunes library, or it was when I still had an iTunes library. Um, the, as Jagger said, the version in the film is absolutely magnificent for its um, just the absolute you know the energy that it conveys and the absolute joyfulness and you get a lot of that from most of the second half of the concert really i mean my favorite song from it is cross-eyed and painless because the record version of that is magnificent in its own way and it's like sort of jittery jaggery you know um vibe but the way they start this out where it's all you know it's just slow it's a nice slow little groove and then, when you least expect it, and then everyone goes mental, and it's, it's breakneck speed, and you've got the two guitarists both doing their own thing, screeching, and ah, oh, it's so cathartic. It's the perfect way mm. to end this film. Yeah. Especially having it be what follows Take Me to the River, and I mean, besides yes. Heaven, which was magnificent in this film. Heaven is heartbreaking in this film. With just David and Tina on stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and talk me. Take me to the river is, take me to the river is the second I'd say slowest song in this, in this film at least. Um, yeah. it's not that fast, and having this be what follows it, is almost like kind of hilarious. That yeah. it's like, it's a slow song, and then it follows with this starting slow. And then, like you said, it just, like, when it goes, it goes. And it is so, it's a catchy song. Um, if you don't yeah. dance when Cross-Eyed and Painless kicks in, I don't want to know you. How, how can <laughs> you not be... <laughs> how can you not be affected in a visceral, like, body way when that happens? And what he said was, when he was talking about, like, why he chose the big suit, it's that... Music is a physical experience, and oftentimes your body understands it before your head does. And that's why you made the head look smaller and the body bigger for a song like Girlfriend is Better that is just full-on groove. Um, and again, I also want to quickly say that I found it really cool that they let Tina and Chris do like the big thing for Genius of Love. Yeah. Because um, they had broken away for a little bit before this movie and they had done that and letting them do their thing even though it was something that happened after they broke off is kind of cool to me it's very cool and i appreciate that they gave chris the spotlight to just scream nonsense (laughs) from his drum kit james and yeah i mean just to go down the line i mean you've got this this must be the place another beautiful performance from david with the lamp i mean 
there's no one who's ever graced a stage and looked as cool as David Byrne dancing with the lamp. No one. <laughs> uh, you got Swamp, which was a song that I didn't know before seeing the film. Um, and seeing just how kind of all-encapsulating that performance for that song was. Again, another song that I've grown to love since watching it. Um, Slippery People, again, go on that list of songs that I had no clue they existed before this film. Um, but a song that was so catchy and great. Uh, Found a Job, Thank You for Sending Me an Angel, another magnificent song. And that's what this is. You can go down this list, and even the songs that got cut, Cities and um, Big Business, Izimbra. Yeah. There's not a bad song on this list. And seeing them in the way that they are performed in the film just makes these great songs all that much better. And rarely you see, like Trey said, rarely you'll see performances live that are this much, not this much better, but still this much better than they are on the record. Because I refuse to believe that any performance has ever been this not only chaotic but also incredible yeah um dude if you that's if you want chaos go on youtube and watch uh lip biscuit at the 1999 woodstock <laughs> dude oh my don't do that gosh <laughs> if you want to see the uh how uh terrible human beings are go watch that oh my <laughs> gosh dude that was that was to go on a little, that was Jay. You know what I'm talking about, right? I do. That's that's some dark side of history. Oh my right? gosh! The <laughs> fact that they were like, "Yeah, let's bring Limp Biscuit out to sing to this crowd of rowdy twenty year olds," and Limp Biscuit comes out, and they're just like, "It's just one of those days. You don't want to wake up. Everything sucks." And everybody's like, and throwing mud and feces at each other. Oh my gosh! That yep, straight craziness. Um, Jagger doesn't look happy right now. <laughs> Jay, a dude. little confused, but well, y- I mean, it was... knowing Limp Biscuit, it's not shocking. But yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, for me, um, I saw the biggest influence or the biggest genre. They obviously combine all these different genres in their music. Um, the biggest one that I saw had the biggest influence was funk. Um, so like stuff like uh James Brown um stuff like I don't know funk for me is when you have really really prominent bass lines that are really um I don't don't want to say groovy because that's not that's like a subjective adjective um they're just very very up front in your face like you're like oh yep there's the bass and then a lot of snare and uh 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 tom hat drums um they they, it's just like they want to uh like amplify the beat and the the groove of the song above everything else um and my god were they in the pocket the this entire film like David Byrne with yeah. some of that, especially like just to go to Psycho Killer in the beginning, uh, the guitar playing, he could not have been feeling the groove more. 
Like, he was just so in the pocket. Every note was just perfect. And I can tell, I'm glad I didn't see this in the theater. Um, because I love, like, if I'm really into a concert, like, I'm like, I'm, I just move a lot. Like, that's just how I am. Um, Trust me, you would not be the only one moving at the Stop Making Sense Theater. I'll tell you no, that. No, not at all. <laughs> um, but for me... It was famous for having people come out of the audience into the front and dance at the in front of the screen yeah and in the aisles and things yeah uh for me though i do my best listening to music when i can do something else that's mindless i i have a hard time just sitting there and focusing on the music so i just booted up Fortnite and put this in and put the computer in front of me and played Fortnite while i watched and listened and i was just mind blown the entire time it was he david byrne um I mean, great singer. Um, not a classically good singer, but if you like his voice, um, he's amazing. Um, I want to say I'm sad they cut Cities out. That's like top three Talking Heads songs for me. Um, yeah. Life During Wartime, amazing, as Jagger said. Uh, but uh, Burning Down the House had to be my favorite because they played, yeah, they played it right before life uh life during wartime burning down the house had to be my favorite uh song from this concert i mean they were just what's what's the guitarist's name jagger um um which one (laughs) there was oh jerry jerry harrison Harrison. oh Yeah. yeah jerry he could not have been more like you could tell and like that he was feeling it and that david was feeling it because when you when you start seeing these weird dance moves where they're like you know you can see when they're just like feeling the groove and like they couldn't play a wrong note even if they tried. Um, yeah, I mean, one of, one of the most impressive parts in the whole film for me is when they're playing life during wartime and every single person on the front line is like jogging on the spot while playing guitar and bass. Yeah, in sync. How um, do you do that? How I mean, do, you do it. As a guitar player, there gets to a point where you know a song so well that when you play it, your brain, like especially in music, your brain just shuts off. You're not thinking about anything and your your body is just like playing and you're like, how am I even doing this? And it's just doing all the right. Oh, it, 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 that is one of the most immaculate feelings you just feel like you're like floating outside of your body watching yourself play. And you're just like, oh, okay, we're going there. Oh, I guess we're going there. And uh, oh, it's so fun. It's just like, and you can really feel that with all the band members here. Uh, I'm wondering for you guys, though, one of the things I wanted to talk about was live music uh, in general. Um, what Jagger, you're still pretty young. I don't know. Have you been to any like live concerts? Jay, I'm sure you have. Um, many. Yeah, I've only been to two artists, and it's it's strange too. I went to Weird Al live once. Yeah. Massive um, W. I went to Peter Frampton once, and that's oh, wow. the two I've gone to. Nice, Jay. What about you? What was your first concert and your best and your favorite concert? Uh, my first concert was a British pop band called McFly, and that was all the way back in 2005 or something, when mm-hmm. I was like seven. And um, uh, I've seen too many gigs since. 
Um, so, you know, like Radiohead I've seen and the Pixies and Hell yeah. uh, the Brian Jones Town Massacre were very, very good. You might be into them, Trace, since you're into a fish psychedelic kind of. Yeah, like no, that. I've listened to them. I like them. Yeah. But um, live music's just a different beast. And I think yeah. of all the films that have tried to capture it, Stop Making Sense has done the best job. And that's done in such a precise way. Where, um, I mean, const- I've, looking at the history of concert films, I mean, this was one of the first ones that had the kind of sole focus on the performance in the band and just never took a moment out to look at the crowd or anything like that, which a lot of concert films before that tended to do. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think it just does the best job of displaying the, the spectacle of the performance because you've got nothing else on the stage for a while except performers. Whereas yeah. a lot of other, especially recorded live shows, have focus on sort of the design of the background or like whatever bollocks that bring out on stage for the crowd to be wowed by instead of looking at the actual performers. Mm. Mm-hmm. With this, and it's very points- bare bones. Yeah, and there were points where they got like really like up close to the performers, and the performers would address the camera being there. Yeah, um, like the part where the famous part during um, "Girlfriend Is Better," where he puts the uh, microphone out to the camera. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot of things like that where, like you said, there's nothing else being focused on but the performers and even if they were showing the audience in any way the performers were still in the frame um yeah and if there was like a specific performer and most of the time it would be david byrne in focus um i really like there's a lot of that points where they're focused on david byrne like the point during psycho killer where he's walking towards the camera like staring dead at the camera but they weren't entirely focused on him where mm-hmm. there would be points that were like half the song focused on other people in the band to show that it's not just they're there and he's like he's david byrne and they're the talking heads in the back they were showing how every single member compliments the next member yeah um and i think you could also in- interpret the continuous build that it starts showing a bare bones song and then it builds to show how like there's this ladder of compliments of how every single member is important to the band and i feel like you could look at it that way but it really is a heavy focus on the performance and trey like you said i know that there's a lot of people that would watch this like like you did with something else on um but having seen this now eight nine ten times i could say that the concert itself is its own beast its own spectacle and everything about it was built up to every minute detail being perfect and taking all three concerts to give you this wiggle room to have a perfect concert built together. Everything from the shots of him walking out on the stage that happened twice that were inserted by Jonathan Demi, um, whether it be him walking out for the first time to say that I have a tape I want to play or walking out in the big suit, 
that I know in my theater people were cheering because it's whether you would like to argue that it is or is not a film it has people that were not originally in the band on stage to help complement as actors essentially and it has shots that build up to something epic every time mm-hmm. um there's the whole thing that was going on in the background for like a good chunk of it where they had like random things like just popping up on the back screens yeah everything here is like as large in scale as a kurosawa film and talking about it like this is a concert film that's not what you'd expect at all and it's it's all just this big magnificent final product Mm. that is about as satisfying as building something yourself yeah and yeah and interesting that you keep using the word built and building because that's what this is all about for me you know you start out with just david byrne and his guitar and then you get tina with the bass to compliment and some backing vocals and then you get um chris with his drum kit it's about music being built and you've seen american utopia right jagger yes you've seen it so there's a very similar sort of scene about halfway through where the player born under punches and he, he gets every musician to come out one at a time with their instrument and they just keep building and building on top of each other and it just shows you like how important the performers are to the performance you know what i mean yeah. so every, every you know every little intricate detail is on display and that's what david and jonathan demi in this film want to draw attention to yeah and it's about how all the little pieces come together as a whole and they do really show that throughout but just to put like that final cherry on top of it all at the end david byrne credits all of the people that were behind the scenes on it yes. um which you never really see in something like this but it is all about the process of getting there and it shows this big final product and that big final product is almost something that could make you forget how it takes a whole crew of people to get here. So him pointing it out was really cool because it is all about building. It is all about the amount of people it takes to get there and just showing the recognition for the people that you don't see on stage there working. So, yeah, it is all this huge, like, over-the-top like big credit really for all of these people and talking heads broke up very shortly after this but to say that this was like a triumphant ending to the talking heads would be an understatement i mean like i said they broke up a few years after this was their last like huge thing together like they had some albums out after but none of them are going to be as big as Remain in Light or 77. And the fact that they ended with something all about how you could... Because they include songs from earlier albums. This wasn't an album-based tour. Even though most of it was speaking in tongues, they included 77. They included Remain in Light. They included... Um, more songs about I, buildings and food. Yeah, more songs about buildings and food. They included everything. <laughs> 
So, this is almost, you could call it, a film that displays the history of the Talking Heads in a way almost similar to, like, in all that jazz. The way that they display his death before before all of the ending of it, the, the way that they display sort of, like, a good amount of that ending in music, they display the Talking Heads' history through a musical performance. Yeah. And that's what this is, which just adds another layer to how magical it all is. And, I mean, yeah, it is it is their big, triumphant, heroic, almost, ending to the people that were a fan of them throughout. It's like, you listened to us for all this time, you gave us all this support, here's everyone involved giving you this big thanks. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I first saw all that jazz, um, when I saw Bye Bye Life for the first time, that final musical number, it did remind me of Cross-Eyed and Painless, just in yeah. terms of, you know, that all those elements of the film coming together and just the energy of the performance as well, the diversity of it. Yeah. And, I mean... The, this is not only just a film that's enjoyable... It's a film that speaks about so many things. Like, it includes politics. It includes David Byrne's views on everything. It includes that history. It includes so many layers that to say that this is not a massive, massive project that, I mean, clearly this was not a short, like, just throw it together thing. This was something that probably took months if not years to put together something of this scale um with all of the rehearsing it must have taken to have everything down to this perfection and like trey said they only had i think three performances to get all of this together yeah so this is a layered musical masterpiece if you will and a masterwork for like alternative music as a whole this was a standard setter for concert films this did so much for so much <laughs> and good way of putting it clearly it didn't like it wasn't like a one and done thing because they released this in theaters it made more money than it did when it first came out it had a huge following among theater audiences i think when it was playing at amc at least it was only supposed to have, like, a week in theaters. And it ended up expanding to being in theaters for, like, close to two months. I mean, it did really well. So, it all paid off. And it all paid off masterfully. Beautifully, if you will. That they have managed to keep audiences hooked. For, what is it, 40 years now? They've managed to keep an off, audience yeah. for around 40 years. And, I mean, their self-titled album in 77... Um, or was it just called 77? I think it was called 77. Yeah. 77 was released in 1977. That's like 45, almost, they've been going for almost 50 years. And they've managed to keep this audience this hooked that they can make a whole lot of money and build yeah. a huge following. And like you said, there were people that probably went to see this because it was something playing that now, like, they found a music that they love and made more of an audience releasing a movie for its 40th anniversary. 
yeah, what does that tell you about the timelessness of the music itself? It, it's it's truly resonating after all this time. It's truly timeless, and it is something that, I mean, whether you're a fan of the Talking Eds or just a fan of film, seeing this, it is a not only visually incredible film, it's got all that with, as we've said time and time again now, incredible music. This is truly a perfectly put together representation of the talking heads. And, I mean, take it for what it's worth. It's incredible. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Well, the that's our uh, double feature, Friday night double feature, our David Byrne double feature. Um, Stop Making Sense uh, is in... It might still be in theaters. It's playing in a theater near me. Um, Otherwise, you have to go pick up a DVD or a Blu-ray. True Stories, you can rent. Um, And, yeah, that's our Friday Night Double feature. Uh, Join us next week for our... uh, Well, this will come out Friday. Yeah, so our next episode will be Tuesday. We will be reviewing... um, the uh our next film on the imdb top 250 uh the best years of our lives and then next friday join us for our de niro double feature where we will be reviewing uh the king of comedy and raging bull um we want to thank jay jay thank you for coming on uh to talk about these films with us today um thank you jagger trey for having me yeah I'll you want to let let people know or <laughs> yeah you want to let people know where they can find you on social media any any platforms uh, i'm on letterbox and instagram letterbox.com slash vincent jello like the name and the food yep um yeah go follow jay writes great reviews um i always love reading them in the morning um you can find me and jagger at the usual places i'm tiktok twitter letterboxd um i need to get active back on tiktok i god i haven't posted a tiktok in so long we talk about this like every episode jagger um uh i'm trey the film noob on all of those places jagger's jagger film fan on letterboxd jagger the movie guy on instagram and twitch and jagger film fan or jagger film reviews on uh tiktok and twitter um yeah so go follow us there subscribe to our channel if you're watching this on youtube leave us a review if you're just listening um comment down below what your favorite talking head song and is and we will see you on tuesday for the best years of our lives